Happy Monday. This week, it's my pleasure to talk to filmmaker Jamila St. Pierre about her journey with alopecia, the stigma behind it, as well as the stigma's relationship to beauty standards. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this revealing episode of Beauty Reform School. Oh, hi. You stumbled across Beauty Reform School, the podcast that explores beauty, style, reinvention, self-care, all from the perspective of the outside looking in. We pick apart the classics so you can confidently break the mold. And I'm your host, Bad Bad PJ Brown, the artist, the educator, the retail grunt, the problem child, the one who's done it the hard way for decades, and now... I'm passing the savings on to you. So bring me your tired, your confused, your weirdos, your others yearning to breathe free. And if this sounds like you, grab your pen and grab your scratch pad. And let's figure this crap out together, right here at Beauty Reform School. So unfortunately, there are a few more tacks that I have to brass than I would like, but it is what it is. (laughs) Before we get started, I am going to, I would like to wish a happy Ramadan, happy uh, Passover, and happy Easter to whoever observes. Um, okay, so there were a few audio glitches in my interview with Janessa. However, it was too good an interview to pass up and her schedule is tight. So I have Franken episoded this one, got out the big glitches and kept the rest. So bear with us if you hear any weird um, disturbances because it is definitely worth a listen by all means. Um, All right, I think that's, yep, okay, got that out of the way. Also, um, please continue to like, share, follow, review, all of that thing. I know it's a pain, however, it keeps us alive and it is very much appreciated. Um, Especially since we are not in the place of having sponsors yet, I want to make sure that we are moving along and keeping alive in the algorithm because it's important. That way more people get to hear the podcast, more people get to send us stories, more people get to share in this community that we are building. All right. All right. Oh, and before we get into the episode, um, quick question. Have you ever wanted to have a beauty consultant at your fingertips? Now you can. I'm going to tell you all about it. I've had a few people ask me about consultations and advice, and I have good news. Beauty Reform School now has a Patreon. Different tiers will give you different opportunities. You can contribute in small ways to offer support and help fund the production of the podcast, or you can contribute in larger ways and book one of the consultations with yours truly from everything from natural tutorial consultations to 
brand recommendations, troubleshooting, and advice. My very favorite is the mirror consultation where I will walk you through step-by-step how to do a particular beauty application. I'll even demonstrate as we go. Your support will provide much needed things like helping with production costs, equipment, and hopefully one day being able to hire more staff. More staff leads to more services and hopefully one day even live shows. So go on over to patreon.com and sign up if you can. Did I mention you get a shout out on the podcast? Well, you do. Without further ado, let's talk to Janessa. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us, Janessa. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk all about beauty standards and alopecia. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and first of all, for those of you who um, you're going to have links to see Janessa and look at her content and things like that. But coming from my perspective, Janessa, you are a beautiful young lady. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm Janessa St. Pierre. I'm a filmmaker based in Vancouver, BC. I'm 24 years old. Um, I am black. I am bald. I am proud to be both of those things. Um and yeah, I'm just happy to talk about my experience with alopecia areata and beauty standards. And yeah, I'm making a short film this year called Hair yes. or No Hair. And yes. it's a story about a woman going through alopecia. It's basically a, a personal, personal narrative story, um, mm-hmm. kind of about my experience with it, um, showing the glimpses of the moments before a woman decides to shave her head. And mm. her life bald. Huh. Yeah, I am. I'm the project lead. So, uh, tell us, Story Hive is this great company here in Vancouver, BC. Um, they also do additions in Alberta as well. Here in Canada, it's basically this um, company that has put together money to give away to young filmmakers here in Canada, which is amazing. Um, so I actually got a grant with them. So it's in partnership with this company um, to make sure that it actually gets done. So I do have support on that end of things. Yeah. I'm, I've never had before as a filmmaker. So this is really all really exciting for me. Um, it's going to be distributed. So it's going to be, be played on Telus Optic TV on demands here in Canada and also on their on all of their social medias. So it is going to be out there available for people to watch, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I am I'm I'm directing it. I'm I wrote it. I am also going to be playing the lead in it, I think, because there's not a lot of options where I'm from for um, actors who are black and have alopecia. <laughs> so I might have to take on that role as well. So it's, yeah, I am taking on a lot of roles, but I do. Right. Um, yeah. Various. Well, quite frankly, I don't think, I can't name a single actress. Uh, yeah. Right in America either, to be honest. In, in the world, honestly. 
right. I can't think of one. I cannot. So yes, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing is incredibly needed. So I'm very glad that you're that you're doing it. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, has filmmaking always been your thing or was this sort of a necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing? Um, filmmaking has always been something that has been part of me, I feel. Um, I grew up being a dancer, so I was in professional dance training for ballet for a very long time. And that's what I thought I wanted to be was a professional dancer. Um, but within my like last year of high school, I kind of trans I dance started to not be fun for me. Um, it started to be like anxiety inducing and I, I was like, I don't know if I can do this forever. So um, I kind of transitioned and I was like, what did I always love doing even when I was dancing was making videos and making stories. Um, and so I kind of transitioned into wanting to do more of that. And I went to film school. Um, I did three years at film school, two, yeah, three years, uh, one year with film studies and then two years doing like a film production program. So mm-hmm. I actually got some training to actually figure out what role I wanted to do on a film set, which was really amazing. Um, but it was a weird experience as a black woman in film. Um, film school was very, uh, it was polarizing in ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely good for me to have those credentials, but it really did open my eyes up to like how motivated I am to actually tell stories for black women, by black women, by Mm -hmm. black people, like black non-men just being behind and in front of the cameras is something that's like super, super important to me as a filmmaker. Um, Yeah. And yeah, I kind of just learned through school that there's not a lot out there, especially if you're not going to do it yourself. So um, yeah, that's kind of where my, my passion came from for filmmaking was really just like I wanted to do it. And then I went to school for it and I even got more motivated because I didn't see myself in a lot of what we were learning. So I want to make that change in history. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, it's interesting that you said uh, what you said about being in ballet, because I started off the same way also. Oh, really? And had the same exact thing happen where I got disenchanted along the way. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough that my mom said to me one day, you know, if you don't want to do this for a living, that's okay. Like, you can still do it for fun if you want. But, you know, you can stop. You don't have to be at the, you know... At, at the intensity you are right now and that yeah. that helped me a lot because I I didn't want to tell her she had sacrificed so much money for classes and yep. clothes and everything um it was kind of difficult I guess because my parents yeah they put so much right they like they see you dance you're like mm-hmm. you're little and they're like this is what you're meant to do um so it was hard for them when I did say like I don't think that this is fun for me anymore. And I, I don't think that I want to do it, but they're so supportive in anything that I do. I love my parents so much for that, that they were very like, okay, if it doesn't make you happy, you know that it's okay to stop. Like 
you can that's do good. something else. <laughs> so oh, that's good. That's good. And my family has always been super into movies as well, which is also something that I think they understood. Like mm. even before I was into dance, they were taking us to the movies when we were like babies and just putting like <laughs> putting in head ear earplugs for us and stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, storytelling has always been like a part of our family. So they did understand why I wanted to go to well, that's good. That's that's definitely good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, here comes the million dollar question. <laughs> um now I know a lot of people, you know, basically uh, the average person, if you say the word alopecia, they know what it is. But um Along the way, people have described it as many things. What do you think your best description of it would be? Um, I'd say alopecia. Like I like to say now that alopecia is kind of a blanket umbrella term for hair loss and lack of hair. Bald, yeah. bald. Um, because under alopecia, I don't know. Like I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor, so I won't. I won't say that I know everything. I just know what I know from my experience. Right. Um, but I, with the research that I have done, um, I have alopecia areata, which is specific. It's, um, but underneath alopecia areata, there's a bunch of different alopecias as well. It's very confusing. As like alopecia is just this blanket term for hair loss and balding, but within that, there are so many different types of alopecia. I don't think people are aware of that. Um, like there is patchiness. Um, that's areata where you just have patches of bald, bald spots. Mm-hmm. Um, there's al- hormonal alopecia, which I don't know a lot about, but I know that that infects, like it comes from your the hormone side of your body. And that's why you have loss of hair. Um, I know that there's scarring alopecia, which is permanent. Mm-hmm. It means that the follicle is not like alive anymore i'm not sure if that's correct but it's 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 scarred over the follicle Mm -hmm. um but yeah areata there's a bunch of different ones underneath areata it can be areata which is patches it can be totalis alopecia totalis which is lack of hair on your whole head Mm -hmm. um, which is what i have now Mm -hmm. And then there's alopecia universalis, which is lack of hair on your whole body, which I've, oh, wow. I've also had at one point. Um, and so that's why within alopecia areata, it's it's known that it's cyclical because you can go through the different cycles of different air, alopecias within that. Like I've had, I started out with just having patches and that progressed to a whole lot whole body loss of hair I didn't have hair on my whole body for like a couple of months and then now I have hair on my body but not on my head you know it's very like and it's completely individual so I would tell people out there that there's information out there but there's also a lot of lack of information right Um, and a lot of things that people don't know and a lot of things doctors don't know about it because it is such a like it's not a researched thing very much like you can literally go online and see that that it's not researched enough people yeah. doctors don't know why it happens <laughs> yeah. yeah like we know what's happening in our bodies it's like the science of it is that like 
your T cells are going to your hair follicles and basically saying that they're bad mm-hmm. and fighting them and turning them off. But doctors don't know why that happens. <laughs> right. And so, that is- for all these years, you know, you would think that there'd be some sort of breakthrough with some sort of explanation as to why, but I have not seen that yet to this day. No, no there's not widespread um, research or known anything. Like, I know that when I went to go see a hair specialist, because um, I went through having patches, and when I did have my patches, I went through treatment, quote-unquote treatment that they have for it, which are very painful, um, invasive treatments, um, on your body. And, um, the hair specialist, I remember like, there's all these misconceptions of what alopecia can be, where it can come from, why, but he basically told me like, we don't know why. So don't, don't waste your time trying to figure it out, trying to make sense of it because the doctors don't even know. (laughs) yeah well yeah that's that's uh frustrating yes because <laughs> you go to the doctor and you're hoping they got some answers and they don't but, mm-hmm. but you know it was yeah what were you gonna say it was eye-opening <laughs> yeah i bet Unfortunately, I had a story time that I shared with Janessa, but unfortunately, the audio got completely destroyed. It was horrific, so I had to get rid of it, but I didn't want you to miss out on the story, and I didn't want you to lose place your place in the interview, so I will tell it to you again. When I was growing up, I had an aunt, and... She, I was very close to her growing up and she was considered the beauty of our family. She had long flowy hair and that was unique in and of itself because they considered her to be like a, a unicorn in a lot of ways. Um, over the years, uh, as life went on, things started getting harder for her. Um, her hair began to get uh, a little thinner. It started to change. I was young then and I noticed it, but I didn't know enough about anything to really make any decisions about it. I just noticed it was different. And with it being different, she became different. Her her mood changed. Her life started to change. She started to change her way of eating. She tried supplements. She tried any and everything she could do to get her hair back. I remember her using Neutrogena tea gel a lot and some of the other, it was like an amber colored Neutrogena shampoo. It might have been tea gel. I think that's, I think that is what it was. Um, but anyway, she used that a lot. She used serums. She rubbed her scalp with oil. She did all kinds of things, any and everything she could think of to try to uh, stimulate hair growth. Uh, She drank a lot of, uh, she made a lot of smoothies from fruits and vegetables. She did all kinds of things. You get the idea. Long story short, um, her hair continued to get thinner and thinner and thinner. And she tied it back in a little 
bun at the nape of her neck in the back of her head. As I got older, I noticed that even though she tied her hair back, you could see right through her hair down to her scalp. And no one talked about it. We didn't talk about it, you know. She'd wear head wraps. Uh, she did all kinds of things, but we just didn't talk about it. It was considered disrespectful, as a matter of fact. You would never point that out in public spaces or even in private spaces in the family. We wouldn't discuss it. It was almost like it didn't exist. And it made me think later when I became older and I learned more about alopecia, I wondered if that's what she had. But I wouldn't dare, dare ask that question in my family because you know what? As a black woman, it just wasn't done. And even more so, it just wasn't done in my family. The only reason I'm even telling you this story now is because as I think back on it, it hits me. The, the cast of secrets that families hold and being a woman of color, those from my point of view, that happens a lot in those kind of families. Families of color tend to keep their secrets even tighter. Um, and losing your crown and glory is, there's shame and stigma attached to it. Even if no one has said that you should feel ashamed, you kind of instinctively know that you should. I also want to point out the only reason that I'm telling this story now, because I've never, I never told this story in a public space is because she has since passed away. And as I'm learning more about my relationship with her and the things that go on that went on in our lifetime of knowing each other, there's pain in my heart because it just made me think a lot about the suffering and the struggling that she had. And aside from what other feelings I might have, I feel that in my spirit. So I just wanted to share that story because when you think back on some of those relatives that had those strange things that you didn't know about or understand or no one talked about, just think about, just now that you're a little older, think about how that affects them and how they, maybe that's why they behaved the way that they did or that's why things affected them the way that it did. Isn't there's so many sides to a story, you know? Now, let's get back to the episode. You know, and that, mind you, her hair was her crowning glory when I was growing up. You know, well, it's everybody. like every black woman, it's like, once again, it's like when you're a black woman, your hair is everything to you. Like, <laughs> Not it's everything to you, but it's also like everywhere you look and everyone around you is also t- reinforcing that idea that it is everything. 
Yeah, and it was she was abnormal in our family in the way that she was one of the few women who had very long hair, mm-hmm. which you know for a black woman, like, exactly. Yeah. That scene is like, oh my god, wow! Right, she was a unicorn, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, her hair's so long and flowy, wow. Which is also a thing that really, I'm like, as somebody who now has alopecia, now I'm like, we need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And welcome to the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and another reason I wanted you here. Let's go. Uh, like, yeah, why I mean, are we that's putting... exactly right. I mean, it, there's so many layers to it. You know, like the the, the the fact that, you know, a woman's hair is her crown and glory and a Black woman's hair even more so. And there's so mm-hmm. much turmoil tied around a Black woman's hair on, a, on a, any given day. Yeah. Any Let given. alone if you have alopecia, then that's another yep. layer that you have to deal with. Yep. You know, it's just, there's just so much to it, you know? Yeah. It's something that like, I obviously these past couple of weeks, I've been just really thinking about deeply and like having conversations with various people, even other black people and seeing the discourse and takes and all I can say is that, like, even within our own community, we really do need to talk about, like, why we're putting so much pressure on Black women, on what's on their heads, period. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to put it on uh, colonial- colonialization. Yeah. <laughs> Colonialism, <laughs> for sure. Colonialism. White supremacy, seeping into every inch of our culture is right. definitely to blame. Um, yeah. that's for sure <laughs> yeah no I'm gonna definitely put it on that heavy um, I know there's other that's not just you know there's not just a one word answer for things mm-hmm. but it's, that's definitely a heavy thing and it's it's a lot of people of color and we're talking about women in this particular thing and um, female presenting um, people um, it was just taught that you know, you you had to look a certain way as a female or femme person. You have to look a certain way. You're expected to look a certain way. And then on top of that, not only are you expected to look a certain way, but you're the closer you get to European standards, mm-hmm. the better. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's like, that's a high bar, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a really, really, really high, high, high bar. Yeah. And um it's and then when you can't or for some reason are hindered from meeting those expectations that puts weight on you on your mental health as well that makes you feel a certain way and a lot of people especially now with the the natural hair movement a lot of people have broken free from some of that mm-hmm. where they're like you know what i don't want to relax my hair every day you know what i don't want to press it every day i don't want to do this and that i'm going back to my natural texture i'm doing this mm-hmm. and that and I feel like that's definitely a start. Oh yeah, because it, people can start reuniting with their natural, actual natural grade of hair. Yeah, and you know, accepting their natural grade of hair and coming to love their natural grade of hair. There's like so many steps you got to take to get yeah. back to that. You know that that natural hair journey, if you will. But then comes the other thing that I'm going to hit is homophobia. Yeah. And people will be like, wow, that's you just jumped really far, really quick. No, the reason I mention homophobia is because a lot of people equate length of hair with heterosexuality. That's something I'm confused about. 
You said what? That's something I'm very confused about because like I'm a queer woman, like I'm pansexual and I don't, I, yeah, I, I just, I also think like seeing baldness and alopecia as this gendered thing is so crazy to me. Like, Uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just so, yeah, makes no sense to me. Well, because it's like, and also it is, it's ridiculous on many levels because it's like, since when, like, Westerners decided that um, lengths of hair went to specific genders. Or femininity. It's like equating lengths of hair to how feminine you are and how you can see, like, how people see you and see you as this feminine thing. And like, that's like feminine and masculine making it length of hair making those things length of hair i i personally am just like i do not understand (laughs) yeah and it's mad hypocritical too because it's like you know back in the day men wore their hair at a longer length and then one day they decided to start cutting it literally (laughs) and then when they decided to start cutting it then they also decided that that length now was feminine like the, the the former length they had was more feminine so if a man had their hair longer now it's feminine all of a sudden yeah but your forefathers had their hair that length so what's the problem like you know what's the trouble and it's, it's it's just crazy like mm-hmm. you know, oh lace is lace is now officially feminine they're bang my gavel on that oh yeah. pink is officially feminine piercings are officially feminine makeup is officially feminine yeah. like they just along the way they just started making these little <laughs> rules exactly these random rules that nobody right. <laughs> signed on yeah, to really. and nobody was paying attention now. and then we just mm-hmm. all turned around like oh what oh mm-hmm. that's that's feminine i did uh, when since when when did they decide exactly. that oh okay yeah you know? it really is yeah that definitely was something that i had to like that was a big thing when i first went yeah. through my stages of alopecia was like breaking through like, why am I so scared? Why am I so scared? Why am I so scared? Why am I so scared of this? Oh, maybe it's because I've been literally brainwashed my whole life. Right. <laughs> right. Well, just, I mean, think about Male beauty women. standards, colonial beauty standards, European right. beauty standards. And now I'm forced to just not have any of that. <laughs> right. And look how many women have a heart attack when the hairdresser cuts their hair one inch yeah. shorter than they had in mind. Mm-hmm. I'm ugly. No one will want to look at me. What? Yep. It's an inch of hair. You lost your mind over an inch of hair. Um, I I started shaving the sides of my hair uh, years ago because I was just sick of having so much hair on my head. <laughs> so I started going mohawk like years ago. That's awesome. My mom did that too. I think that's why I was like, I know that a lot of other people who have alopecia they were to tell me like you were you went so quick from like the transition from like because I was scared at one point to not go out bald like I didn't want to go out in public bald I right. wore bandanas I wore wigs for a really long time but like they got really uncomfortable for me very right. fast and so I did bandanas and hats and hair wraps and stuff but yeah I got to the point where like I was like I think it was because I saw my mom growing up she had dreads at one point and then mm-hmm. she just cut off all of her dreads and had short hair um, and I think it's maybe like seeing someone else like go and do it and yeah. just choose that. Well, I was like, maybe I can be okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, truly though, it, yeah. it really, it really does 
that is a real live thing that happens, you know, like, and, the, but you know what I noticed too, interestingly enough, like the, the journey of femininity for me, um, I just started shedding it like every, a, a few years at a time, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not going to wear these, you know, these tight bodycon dresses anymore. You know, like this was years ago. I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, what was I doing it for? I was doing it for attention. Um, if you don't want to, then don't. <laughs> right. And I'm not, and yes, and I'm glad you said that because anyone listening, I don't want you to think that if you like tight clothes, then that's bad. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is it wasn't for me. It wasn't yeah. me, but I was doing it because everyone else was. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I just felt like that's what I was supposed to do. Yep. And then I decided that was no longer for me and I didn't need to posture that way. So I stopped. Yeah. Now, if you want to wear it, by all means. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's so great that like people are coming. Like, I'm glad that like this, because I feel like with my alopecia, it's not like I was, I feel like I was forced into this like beauty reform (laughs) for myself. Like I can admit that before alopecia, I was a shallow person. I was trying to appease to men for I don't know why but I was trying (laughs) and I didn't really think about those things and why I was doing it um but alopecia literally forced me to just reevaluate my whole life my whole perspective on what beauty is and what it looks like and yeah what it like who's it for really um (laughs) right it completely I was like I was like, damn, like I was not doing anything for myself before. No wonder it's been so hard to actually get myself to a place where I actually, I feel okay because I was doing everything for everyone else. I wasn't doing anything yeah. for me. And like, once I realized that and like shifted my mind into being like, I'm not going to do treatments anymore because I don't want to do them. I'm not doing them for me. Like <laughs> yeah. my, my, my perspective, my life, I feel like I got honestly healthier I got my mental health got way better after I stopped trying to like fix myself for other people I was like I need to love myself (laughs) exactly the way that I am (laughs) what do you know about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll tell you I think that true beauty is um strength is inner strength um it's it's what how you feel your strongest yeah how you feel your happiest mm-hmm. and your most content that is beauty to me um yes and i think that the key to beauty for a lot of people that they're they're you know i see people in different steps of their journey but i feel like the light the the real key when people really hit the mark and they find that that sense of like i feel beautiful i feel great is when they do shed those other things and they're and they find that comfy little niche that works for them, you know what yeah. I mean? I think that we were ingrained with how to attract, well, you know, growing up, like how to attract men, like it was like heteronormative, like, okay, do as a girl, you need to do this, that, and the other to attract mm-hmm. men. Like that's how, that was ingrained, either softly or hard, you know, depending on who, how you grew up, you know? And then being around certain people, your friends, you know, family, whatever, they would say kind of things like, you know, oh, you better not have that extra cupcake if you want a man. Like, you know, (laughs) little, little goofy things like that, you know, or you got to wear shoes, you know, you're too short. You need to start wearing heels, you know, and why, why, why? 
literally why (laughs) why that because what you're saying is you don't want to look too short because like some some guy won't want you you want a tall man so therefore you got to wear heels so that you're a little taller so that you so that a taller man will look at you and maybe consider you you know like just just little little tiny goofy things that we were ingrained with to do exactly and we believed it we bought it you know we did (laughs) but then when something happens like alopecia or uh, an injury, like you know, for me, I I have chronic arthritis, and therefore I had to t- put, I had to give away my stilettos, mm-hmm. and I had to start walking around with a cane and orthotics. Yeah, that took away a lot from me because I wore heels all the time, and that mm-hmm. was like a sign of femininity for me. That was a sign of attractiveness for me, and part of my identity almost. And I had to give that up. Yeah. And I felt I didn't want to be seen with sneakers on mm-hmm. when I, you know, I didn't want to go outside with sneakers on for the longest. And I had to like deal with that, you know, and that sounds small, but it was a big deal to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love like hearing, it's not that I love hearing that people are like have these things, but it's like, I hope that people know that like collectively everyone has something, everyone has something that they're like wanting to not have to be insecure about and like I hope that makes people feel a little bit less alone that like Mm -hmm. confidence and feeling okay about yourself can come in waves and it's a journey like everyone is on this like weird path to like feel okay (laughs) after like unlearning all of these BS ideas that have been taught to us through life Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah I just am like oh my god like even though I have alopecia which is something that's not anything like arthritis it's still it's still something that I can relate to something that disables your everyday way of life Mm -hmm. that's that's a disability when I hear people argue about what's a disability and what's not that's a disability Something that disables your everyday way of life is a disability. So, period. That's something that I actually had to, like, rethink, honestly, these past couple of weeks with discussions about it. Because I've gone, I feel like I've been on the side of, like, oh, but I'm not disabled, though, because... I don't know if it's because of other people telling me that, like throughout my journey of having alopecia, like a lot of people are saying, well, it's just hair, it's just hair, it's just hair. At least it's not, at least it's not, at least it's not. And so I don't know if that's just like an ingrained idea I have in my own head now that it's like, well, that's bullshit though. It's it's bullshit though, because everyone who said to you, it's just hair. Okay, cool. Here's some clippers. Go ahead and shave (laughs) all this off. (laughs) <laughs> and we can walk around and talk about how it's just hair. I know. Uh, I'll wait. That to people. You know? Because like I, I don't like when people say it's just something. I know. Because so I'm like, annoying. is it? Well, then you do it then. Mm-hmm. If it's just something. If it's, if it's not a big deal. You go ahead and do it. Yeah. How about I kneecap you and you have to wear a cane <laughs> for the rest of, you know, use a cane for the rest of your life. How about you? Like, is it just arthritis now? Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, you're not in a wheelchair. No, yeah. not right now. No. I know. Why do people feel like they can 
say those things though but like they, that's but also they like a lot of goofy stuff coming from yeah. a place of privilege mm-hmm. and when i say privilege i mean like enabled privilege yeah coming from an able-bodied privilege where you have all your parts and things are working okay for you for now yeah you know that nobody's gonna stay that way yeah that's just, honestly just like basic, just with basic eight old age you're going to literally your body that's what I think about like alopecia too it's like no of like a lot of people have hair loss just in general in life as you age so this is something like you may be afraid to see me because you're scared of something that you know is going to happen it could be that it could be that that's a very interesting point it could be that yeah and also like when and to true like here's another thing too is like the one thing that gets that scares people, I think, regarding alopecia too. And I've talked to people about it as well, where when you see someone who has alopecia or they get alopecia and it seems it seemingly comes out of nowhere to you because you don't yeah. live with them or whatever. Exactly. You knew, you knew them once and they had a you know full head of hair and then like you see them a year later, they don't. Mm-hmm. That's jarring. Yeah, and it also tells you like, oh, you, oh, and then you say things like, well, we don't know how it happened; it just happened, and here I am now. That is horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> because because you say to yourself like, wow, so could it happen to me? Like, what if I was just minding my business one day and my hair starts coming out? Like, what do I do? Yeah, because that's that's, that's what, when you see someone who like that, or like even me, like people who I I grew up with, and I was dancing. I used to dance around. I was a ballet dancer. I did mm-hmm. this. I did that. And now you see me hobbling around on a cane. Yeah, it's jarring. It's jarring. That's a good word for it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Because before I didn't really know, like, I guess I did. Like, I knew why people acted the way that they did towards me when they would see me. But it's like, because I got used to it, I guess. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, I can get, I can see that. It's jarring because you just, you, you don't know this person that's also something that i'd like to like challenge society like challenge that like people don't always have to look the way that you think they're going to look like maybe we can throw those expectations out the window like yeah that would be nice (laughs) that would be delightful that would be delightful (laughs) if they could manage that would be delightful Mm -hmm. (laughs) but but also and here's the other thing you know lastly (laughs) lastly here's the other thing my thing is, even if you don't know the first thing about something, even if it's the strangest thing you've ever seen, it's none of your business. And Google is free. Period. And people like me put all the time talking about different things. So if you want to learn about it, there's plenty of resources for you to do so. But when you come face to face with a person, don't don't say stupid stuff. Just don't. Don't say stupid stuff. Even if you have stupid questions, keep them to yourself. Google them in the privacy of your own home and learn about it. Period. <laughs> I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Just don't. For real. Don't ask some dumb stuff. Like, you don't need to make comments on the way that people look. No. <laughs> Period. I mean, you really don't. I know it's, I know it's, oh, it's so tempting. Oh. Mm-hmm. But, but you don't, though. You don't. 
I know it's hard. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. You see somebody and you just want to ask them a question so bad. I know. (laughs) But don't. (laughs) Just don't. Do keep us posted on everything, but anytime you want to come back and dig deeper into the void of uh, gender and femininity and beauty, etc., feel free to reach out anytime. Yeah, I will. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Take care and have a great day. You too. Have a nice rest of your day and weekend. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly enjoyed creating it for you. Thank you again to Janessa St. Pierre for such a fantastic conversation. And just remember what I said before. If you're not sure, if you see something unusual, if you see something that's curious, bear in mind that that's a human being. So, Shut your mouth. Open your phone. Google it. Be mindful. If you haven't already liked, subscribed, and followed, please do so. I know it can be a task, but it helps keep us alive in the algorithm. And as always, I'm always looking for enthusiasts and creatives to talk to. I love bringing their stories to you. And if you have someone in mind that you think I'd love talking to, you could do that in one of three ways. Facebook, Beauty Reform School, Instagram, also Beauty Reform School, or you can go right to the source at beautyreformschool.com. Thank you so much for your listenership, and thank you in advance for your listenership in the future. And pencils down. Class is dismissed, and I'll see you next week.